Welcome to the Cattle Call Podcast. Today we're starting a new Feedlot Research Call. So before we get started, let me go ahead and call Brooke Playtech. Hello, Brooke. How are you? Hi, Pedro. I'm great. How are you doing? Pretty good. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a good time for a cattle call. Great. So, Brooke, uh, the past six months, we, we have been talking about protein supplementation studies, right? Uh, we talk mm -hmm. about supplementing amino acids, uh, urea, uh, other sources of, of protein. And we did that, and at the end, we kind of wrap it up everything, talk with Dr. Zin about those research. It's been fun. I've, I've learned a lot in, in those calls. And for the next six months, we are switching the gears here, and we select another topic that's very important for, for our industry, that's we are going to be talking about hormone implants uh, for the next six months. So we have selected mm -hmm. six different papers to talk about that, and we are going to do one every month to summarize those research papers in our in our calls. So what is, to get started, what is the first paper that we are talking about? Can you just tell us uh, what is the paper and who are the authors? Sure. So the paper we're looking at this month is titled Effects of Ster Steroidal Implants on Feedlot Performance, Carcass Characteristics, and Serum and Meat Estradiol Concentrations of Holstein Steers. Um, and the great thing today is we have the author here with us. So I figured you could go through um, what I usually do with the materials and methods and results, because I think you guys did a great job on this. Perfect. So that's good. So the first paper is actually uh, one of the, the studies that I did during my PhD Uh, in 2018, and I published that uh, paper in the Translation Animal Science with Dr. Tara Felix and, and Dr. George Perry. And what we we try to do, if, if there is a history behind the paper, we have to look back a little bit. When we were in Pennsylvania, uh, I did my PhD at Penn State. So when we got there, a lot of producers were kind of hesitated about using hormone implants in the hosting steers. And we first want to do a uh, project that we're going to answer questions for specific producers in Pennsylvania. So we, we decide to do, okay, what if we implanted the animals and non-implanted the animals? And that's basically it. We did, uh, we used 70 animals in this experiment. So just to give a little bit background, little uh, we've been using, and that's why we are talking about hormone implants, right? We've been using hormone implants for over 50, 60 years. And, and it's a safe technology. It's, uh, it's a safe technology. We've talked with Dr. Zin. It's probably the technology that has the greatest payback in the industry. We spend a couple of dollars and the returns are always much greater than that. We are going to talk about this at the end of this uh, uh, call as well. So what we want to answer is, okay, what if we implant hosting steers in Pennsylvania and not implant them? We basically fed 70 Hosting steers, initial body weight uh, of 275 kilos, a little bit over 600 pounds. And we decided to do the following steps. So we implanted them on day zero, and we our goal was to implant them on day 84. The, the reason why we did that is that hormones implant usually have a payout period that's from 90 to 120 days. And so we want to implant those animals right before that payout period was, was over. So we would get the best benefit of that hormone implant. On top of that, we were weighing the cattle every 28 days and also collecting blood uh, of those animals uh, to estimate serum estradiol concentration. That's why in the title, we see that we measure serum estradiol concentration. So again, we use 70 animals. We fed them in a growth safe system. Half of the animals were implanted. Half of the animals were not implanted. 
and we were collecting blood and, and body weight and, and feed intake as well. Uh, at the end of the experiment, we actually fed them for about 186 days, uh, a little bit shorter period than we feed here in the valley, just because we were starting them much heavier. Here in the valley, we start with about 130 days. There, we were starting almost, uh, uh, sorry, about 130 kilos. There, we were, we were starting those animals with 275 kilos, and then we fed them for a shorter period. But anyway, at the end of the experiment, what we observed, the response in average daily gain was pretty close to the response that we, we have observed here in a paper that was published from, and we are going to talk about that, that uh, paper as well later on in our uh, calls, uh, the Torrentera paper. We observed that in our paper, 20% increase the average daily gain. Torrentera paper is about 18%, which is pretty consistent with the average response in beef breeds. So first questions, we observed that hormone implants, they do work similar in, in hosting steers as they do in traditional beef breeds. In our case, we had a greater intake than we expected. So the animals that were implanted, they were eating more, which ended up in having similar feed efficiency. In most of the cases, the animals that are implanted, they eat more, but not in a magnitude that's going to be same feed efficiency. So we often increase average daily gain, but we also have an increase in, in feed efficiency as well when we plant the animals. We increase hot carcass weight. So the, those animals were slaughtered heavier, about 11% heavier carcass. And we also increase non-additional muscle area uh, in about 6%, which is kind of an issue for hostings. Uh, we can talk about that later in a further episode, just the shape of the format. Uh, of the hostings ribeye is a little different than the beef breeds. So by using those technologies, we were able to, uh, to increase the shape as well. The good part and the exciting part of, of this experiment, again, performance, we were seeing that looks like the same as beef breeds. But the exciting part about this data is when we look at the, the blood data, the serum data, and the hormone concentration in the serum. So when we were, like, like I said, we were weighing those cattle every 28 days, and we saw, we observed an increase after 28 days, the animals that were implanted were gaining more weight. On day 56, the animals were gaining more weight. But the period from day 56 to day 84 Actually, the animals implanted in it and the animals that were not implanted had similar average daily gain. So we were wondering why, because I already mentioned we were expecting the payout period to go over 90 days. In this case, we were observing that from day 56 to day 84, they actually had similar uh, gains. So was that an indication that the payout period of the hosting steers are shorter than we expected? Uh, in this case, the answer is yes. And we can confirm that when we look at the serum estradiol data, uh, we actually observed that on day 84, so after we implant, we see an increase in, uh, in estradiol levels in the serum, estradiol concentration in the serum, we see an increase. And that, that should maintain greater as long as the, the hormone is being released, right? So, but in this case, on day 84, when we were re-implanting those animals, we actually observed similar estradiol concentration in the implanted versus non-implanted group, which is suggesting in this research here that uh, when we implant uh, hosting steers, that payout period is shorter than we expect. This is the first paper that, to our knowledge, that suggested that. I've talked with other researchers, and I think they 
in the future, there, there is going to be more research on that to observe that. Why is this happening? Why the, the hostings, why it seems like the hostings are utilizing that estradiol quicker? It's a good question. And, and I will be honest with you, I don't have the answer, right? It could be because of a greater blood flow of the animals. It could be because of a greater liver size. It could be because they would have more receptors because we have been selecting hosting uh, cows for reproduction as well, which we don't know. And there is a good answer. But what we did observe in this experiment is that we may have to implant hosting steers more often if you want to take the best advantage from that technology. That's the, the, the biggest take home message. At the end, we observed that, again, Implanting versus not implanted increased 20% average daily gain, increased hot carcass weight by, by 11%. I mentioned that the, the payback from the hormone implants are what is the best technology that we have available in the market, right? And in this study specifically, we spent about $5 in both implants. We implanted them the most twice. Uh, and then what we observed is that, uh, and just to mention, just to point out, the first implant was a 80 grams of TBA, 16 grams of milligrams, sorry, of estradiol. The second implant was a stronger implant with 120 uh, milligram, uh, milligrams of TBA and 24 milligrams of estradiol. But anyway, just by using those two technologies, we were able to have an increase in net return in $75. So we spent about $5 to implant those animals. We had a greater net return in $75. So that is the best benefit that we have when we implant cattle or not. And that's what we are going to be talking in the next studies. We will talk about different protocols. We will talk about different times of the year that we may be implanting or not. Uh, but to get started, I think that shows the benefit that we have by implanting animals or not. Just to finish it, this, and that's because that's another really cool thing that we did uh, in this study specifically. So when we slaughtered the animals, we went to the slaughterhouse, collect some meat samples, and decide to analyze uh, the hormone concentration of that piece of beef. Uh, previous research has proved that there is no reason to have a concern when we eat beef from implanted versus non-implanted beef. And that's exactly what we observed in our research as well. The concentration, the changes in concentration are minimum. In fact, when we change, we decide to get an eight ounce steak or 225 grams, for example, uh, steak. The difference between uh, implanted versus non-implanted group, the animals that were not implanted had a concentration in that steak of 1.9 nanograms of estradiol. The animals that were implanted had a concentration of 2.2 nanograms of estradiol in that stake. So we are going from 1.9 to 2.2, so a difference of 0.3 nanograms of estradiol in one stake. If we want to put this in a contest, for example, a tablespoon of soybean oil, for example, has over 28,000 nanograms of estradiol. We are talking about difference of 0.3. Adult women, for example, she produces over 600,000 nanograms of estradiol every single day. Again, we are talking about a difference of 0.3, which in fact, only 5% is available. About 90% is not available. The bioavailability of that hormone is very, very low. So again, this research also proves that it's extremely safe to eat a beef from an implanted uh, a steer versus non-implanted steer. And that's 
for me, it's one of the coolest thing, even though we've been shown that in previous research, we were able to show that again. And I think we're going to continue to do that just because of, of the, the pressure that we receive from, from the market. But again, the take home message from this experiment is that hormones work and they're working whole things pretty well. We may have to be uh, implanting whole things more often if we want to take the best advantage of, of those technologies. But still, it's only one work. We have to do more research on that re-implanting more often to see if that has any benefit or not. And then uh, at the end, we also observed that it's extremely safe to eat a beef from, from implanted versus non-implanted uh, hormone steers. So Brooke, I think that's that's good. I think I, I kind of talk too much. I get excited <laughs> when I talk about this this research. Uh, it's it's good. It was fun to work with that. It's always good to do research with, with hormones and and. I, I think that's a huge technology and at least we have to have the option to use or not. If you're mm-hmm. going to, to use or not, that's that's going to be our option. But we know it works. We know how much it's going to give us back. If you're giving up to use this technology, we have to understand that we have to get a premium at the end to be worth it to not deciding to not use. One one other point, just to, to make it clear, that's a, and I think we're going to talk about that later on as well. There were no other changes in marbling and other carcass characteristics, which is always a question that we get uh, when we are using uh, hormones. We, we actually measured the fat concentration that's taken, and it was similar. Not only marbling, we measured fat to see if there was difference in concentrations. So that's it, Brooke. I'm not sure if you have any other questions, any final thoughts? No, you covered it pretty good. I think this paper is kind of a great example of the benefit of um, the implants. And it's something you, I, and uh, you, me, and Dr. Zinn talk about a lot, just the impact of them and how much they can help. So I thought this was a great introduction to our, our new series of implants. I, I agree. I think was was really good. We are getting excited that we are going to be reimplanting our cattle next week. Actually, we we were able to see the last time how much benefit we got by just implanting those animals. It will be good to uh, see how that behaves here in, in the valley as well for the next paper as well. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you for listening to another uh, cattle call episode. Uh, we appreciate it. If you want to receive this paper, please send uh, email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com with the title Feedlot Research, and we are going to send you the paper. And if you have questions, suggestions, please also send us an email. Don't forget, that's always a good time for a kettle call, and thank you for listening. Bye-bye.